0: Welcome to the Skyline SIB podcast. We just want to let you know that God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. It's no mistake that you're tuning in right now. So keep listening. May God speak to you through this message. Welcome to episode two of Esther. You know, these days we're introduced by trailer first. It's like a recap. and But this is a Skyline original. Good morning, all. And good morning to you if you're watching us online. And to answer your question, Pastor Peter, prayers are always free. <laughs> praise God, praise God. Thank you, musician. Thank you. Give them, show them some love and give them some. Yeah, praise God. Wow. Okay. Wow. Today, we're going to start episode two. You know, one of my uh, fondest childhood memories. Uh, would we'll be visiting my grandparents. Uh, their house in Miri. Uh, we used to live in Brunei, so we have to drive down that sandy road. Uh, during our time, it's so sandy road. There's no gravel, there's no tar road. So when we reach the house, you'll be, you know, it'll be very nice because all the cousins will be back. And, and my fondest memory actually is when my grandfather roast his coffee beans on a big metal tray in butter. Okay, how many of you remember those kind of times when we had big tub of anchor butter, and we just roasting the coffee bean, and my 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 grandparents they are they are, they were Hainanese and of course they, they operate the Hainanese coffee shop, and the the, the aroma would be drifting and the, all through the house and and that was when it's really nice to to wake up to the aroma of coffee, and uh, when when he's uh, you know in the jovial mode he will sit down some of us the younger ones, and sit down and tell us stories from, from his youth, uh, how he came down from China. And, and, uh, and uh, some of the stories will be during the Japanese occupation. And those were dark stories. And he, he used to tell us, you know, how you guys got it good now and how times were bad. And that's why, you know, we always have to work hard to, to, to make sure you have a good life. And, 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 you know, many of us here are of Chinese ancestry, and many of our, parents, our grandparents, great-grandparents migrated from China between 1880 to 1940. those 60 years. Most people came down that time. And most left their homeland often with nothing but the shirts on their back. They came to escape poverty and war. And they came and they lived through many epochal events. The two world wars, the formation of Malaya, Malaysia then. And also uh, the communist confrontation, you know, those events shaped them into who they were, and because they were like that, they pass on those values, and they make sure their children's children and their children had a better life now than they had. So, in a sense, we are the products of those events that's on their life. To understand the book of Esther. You have to do the same thing. You have to go and look at the Jewish exile. 114 years before Esther took place, Israel was completely uh, conquered by the Babylonians. For two and a half years, they were under siege. There was no food. There was no water. After the Jerusalem was taken, they were forced march three months to a land not of their own. They have to leave behind their land, their families, their everything. They lost lost everything. And, And basically, the exile shaped them. It shaped the entire Jewish psyche at that time. And if you want to read more about those, the heartache, the desperation, you just need to read the book of Lamentations. Prophet Jeremiah wrote down all the desperations, all the pleas during the siege and the exile. The devastation, their grief, most on their mind was this Where are you, God? Where are you? And where the God will ever restore them? And that was the heart cry of the entire Jewish people at that time Where is God? Where is God? You know, we all have times in our lives, right, where we wonder, where whether when we feel that God is nowhere, and whether He cares about what is happening in our own life. And if that's you, you you're not alone. Today's message is for you. The book of Esther 2 is for you. Today, I want to share with you from the book of Esther how to look for God's hand and God's fingerprints for your own life. To look for God's hidden presence, His hidden grace. Last but not least, His hidden beauty for your own life. Let's start. God's hidden presence. You've known by now that one of the hallmarks of Esther is that God is not mentioned anywhere in the book. In fact, you know, people like Martin Luther and, and John Calvin, some of the purists, uh, they, they didn't like Esther because there was no God mentioned. But actually... As I will show you later, if you, if you are a Hebrew reader and you read through Esther, you actually can see Esther. Uh, you can actually see God implied in many places. In fact, the whole book is about God. Uh, two weeks ago, you heard senior pastor telling us about the acrostic Yahweh Y H W H embedded in the story. And today, you will also see the hands of God. And this intentional hiddenness of God actually shows. The genius, actually, the genius of the writer of Esther. That when we read Esther, we would discover God for ourselves. Are you ready? Are you, are you ready to, to move on? Come, Let's read from Esther 2 verse 1. All together now, 1, 2, 3. When the wrath of King Ahasuerus subsided, he remembered Vashti. Then the king's servant said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought." and gathered under the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, and let beauty preparation be given them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This thing pleased the king, and he did so. So, chapter 2 opened with a king that suddenly realized, hey, I've banished my wife. You know, after two years, uh, he woke up, you know, uh, you know, he was wasted, he was married, and he, he began to regret. Then, Then his guy, you know, suggested to him to select the most beautiful virgins in the land. You know, a bit like, you know, Persian idol or Persia got talent, you know, to select the winner so that to be queen. I wonder how long he took to to agree to that, you know. I'm I'm sure it must be a very heart-wrenching decision for him to make. (laughs) Let's move on. Verse 5. Let's read together. In Sushan. There was a Jew, Mordecai or Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives and Mordecai had brought up Hadassah. That is Esther, his uncle's daughter. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. Let's move on. Let's carry on. So it was when the king's command and decree was heard that Esther also was taken. And she obtained favour. Esther had not revealed her people or family, for Mother Chai had charged her not to reveal it. Remember Esther 1? It opens with this six-month exhibition of the king's riches, right? It was intentional. It was the writer intended to show the contrast between an, the opulence and extravagance of a pagan empire Contrasted with the absence of the God of the universe. If we just read, only in chapter, five verse, uh, chapter 2 verse 5 was the Jew, was a Jew first mentioned. The Jew, which was once mighty people of God. Where is God in the midst of all this boasting? Where is the covenant that God made with Abraham? Where is the promise? Let's, leave, let's read on. One, two, three, go. Each young woman turned, came to go into King Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months' preparation. Six months with oil of mirth and six months with perfumes. Thus prepared, each went to the king. In the evening and in the morning she returned. She would not go again unless the king called for her by name. Now Esther obtained favour in the sight of all who saw her. Carry on. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus in the tenth month in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women and she obtained grace and favour in his sight. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast, the Feast of Esther, and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces. Last slide. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Victan and Teresh, sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name, and both were hanged on the gallows, And it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Wow, that was Esther 2. After a lengthy description of the preparation and the selection process, it was won by an Esther Chai. You didn't get it, never mind. (laughs) To finish the chapter, her uncle Mordecai, Mordecai, discovered a plot. Yeah, some people are getting it now. Thank you. And discovered a plot to assassinate the king and inform Esther, who then told the king, you know. And, and they were, but they were promptly forgotten and not rewarded yet. So far, it's like, you know, episode 1 and 2 of a Netflix series, right? No God mentioned. So where is God in all this? In 1997, this novel... The God of Small Things. Incredibly, a debut novel by a young Indian writer called T Roy won the Booker Prize. The Booker Prize is a very big prize, literature prize in UK. Essentially, it is about a family drama novel and about life in 1960s India. It explores how small seemingly insignificant occurrences, how small decisions, how small experiences shape people's behaviour in very deeply significant ways. And that is what God does because God is in the little things. When you ask God where God is, God is in the little things. If you know where to look, God is always present. Amen. Do you agree with me? His hands and his fingerprints are everywhere. It's hidden in the routine of the everyday life, everyday small things. You see Esther isn't about God's silence, although that was what it's known for. It is about God's presence in the midst of that silence. You got to understand this. We are accustomed to God doing big things, you know. We are Christians. We come to church. We read the Bibles. We are accustomed, God doing big things. What are big things? Burning bush. uh, uh, Parting the Red Sea. Okay. Uh, Last week, Pastor Philip even prayed, uh, even spoke about empire level big things. Very big things. Uh, Even if they're not big things, they are extraordinary things. You know, we are accustomed to God healing our illnesses. God reversing our fortune. But I want to tell you today, God is and also especially in the everyday things. Everyday things that you may not even attribute to Him. Think about how Esther become queen, right? A king got drunk. Okay? And his Queen Vashti just so happened to be fed up that night. Don't want to come. Right? And then Esther just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And Mordechai just so happened to learn of the plot, which later was used to counter the, the plot to exterminate the Jews. It's a whole lot of small things and coincidences. But if you look at this, the big picture of Esther is this. So that, God orchestrated all these small things so that a Jewish man can get into the power structure of a pagan anti-Semitic empire. And the only way that could happen was Esther becoming queen, isn't it? If you look at it some more, it's a prelude to an even bigger picture of how Jesus, the saviour of the world, came from this saved Jewish people. Brothers and sisters, the fate of the world, the faith of you and me are not in the hands of the rich and powerful. They are in the hands of God. Proverbs says, the king's heart is like a stream of water. He directs it where he will. God is at work even at a drunken party of a drunken king. You know, not many people will attribute that to God. The king got drunk. I mean, what's God got to do with it? But God is there. Do you realise that if the king didn't get drunk that night, none of us would be here? He didn't get drunk that night. Jews would be slaughtered. There would be no Messiah. No Christmas. No Christians. God uses the small things for His big things. I, I want to share here how God uses small things that become big things for a family. And it's about the story of Uncle Joseph Wong, uh, who so kindly let, gave me permission to tell you this. It was a dawn prayer Friday morning. I remember uh, 1st of September, I think. Yeah, okay. I, I, after dawn prayer, I, we will send our kids to school and usually I'll have breakfast with my wife. But that morning, I remember it was a Friday morning. She had some coffee uh, morning meeting with some of the mothers from school. So, I was alone. I decided that since I'm alone, I might as sure well go to work. Sad life, right? So, <laughs> so I, I, I decided uh, maybe I'll, I'll take breakfast somewhere near work. Lah. So, uh, I was driving down Jalang Kolam towards the city. Okay? Fosang was on my left. Yeah, you, can, you you know, right? That road, okay? Just before I reached the traffic light, I got the urge to turn into Bornean. Okay? I was like, turn into 7 7.30. You know how crowded it is? Ah? And, you know, I mean, even if I get there, it's like difficult to find parking space and all that. No lah. I just go straight lah. As I crossed <laughs> the traffic light, the urge came again. Turn. Okay. Now I've i i I've, I've known to know the Holy Spirit prompting. When he prompted twice, I turned. But you know what I told him? I said, okay, I will turn. But you find me a parking space, okay? So I turned. And guess what? Parking space. Okay, so, okay, okay, this is you, God, okay, never mind. <laughs> but, and then now what? As I came down from the uh, car, I, I locked my car, and in front of me was then, you know, Calvin, brother Calvin, Calvin, mm, Serene's husband, uh, smiling at me. Come, let's go yamta, I was like, okay, uh, I I need to eat anyway. So, okay. And uh, I asked, who, who else is coming along? Uh, Uncle Wong and... Uh, Mr. Wong. They're all Wongs. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we went up to the, the Kedai Kopi, uh, Joseph, upstairs. And as we were sitting down, uh, I noticed uh, Uncle Wong was a bit tense. And he shared with me, he shared with us, uh, you know, that morning he said, I sent my wife to the dawn prayer. I've intended not to, not to join the dawn prayer. Okay, I I wanted to go and you know I'd drop her and then I go off and find my friends and Yamcha. For some reason, he found himself walking towards the hotel lobby, up the stairs, through the lobby, up the stairs some more, and found himself in front of Skyline. And he came in, and you know, Brother Kelvin. And and the rest, they was they were so good to seize the opportunity, they they you know they connected with him and brought him to breakfast. And at breakfast, he asked me. He, he of course he, he, he knew I was a doctor. He said, uh, he was very worried that he did this without control. And is it because he was lacking oxygen? The word he used in Chinese was che yang, okay, lacking oxygen. So uh I know that sometimes it means whether I'm having a stroke. Okay? Now, because it's very tense, I had wanted to lighten the atmosphere. You know what I mean? Okay? You know, it's so tense. I, okay? You know what two words? So, so you was asking, Doctor, is it lacking oxygen? Is a oxygen? You know what came out of my mouth? No, it's the Holy Spirit. He was stunned. I was even more stunned. Because, because I, had, I had not intended to utter those words. Okay, I was thinking of something clever to say, you know, to, just to reassure him. It was the Holy Spirit. That was the word that came out of my mouth. And immediately I knew that God is at work here. And and we, we see, that's the, that's the yeah... Uh, I got a free breakfast out of it. Not not bad. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Praise God. Right. Okay. (laughs) But I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And I think those two words went straight into his heart and convicted him. And I think two Sundays later, he gave his life to the Lord down in SM. Down in SM. Right. I mean, you think of it, the small, the little things. I mean, not only were they all Wongs, (laughs) Joseph Wong, his name was saved in Kedai Kopi, Joseph. Right? Okay. (laughs) Right? Okay. I mean, yeah. And I happened to bump into him again a few days later. Also at breakfast. I tell you, uh, if you want to minister to people, you just go around KK eating breakfast. You will find ministry opportunity. And this time, his question was, should I get baptised? I said, definitely, you should get baptised. It's a public declaration. And Pastor Elizabeth took up the gauntlet and went to him to give him special one-on-one baptism class thing. Wow. And today... Oh, where is it? Where? Oh, okay. There was supposed to be the photo of... uh, Yeah! Let's go! (laughs) Fresh off the press. Oh, okay. Wow, praise God. Whoa. Wow, look at, you look at uh, uh, Pastor Josh. He is so happy. <laughs> praise God. I uh, hope you didn't keep him down in the waters too long. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right. Praise God. I have learned that there is nothing random in God's kingdom. Nothing. When you don't see God's moving, you've got to see with the eye of faith. Just because you don't see God moving in your life doesn't mean He isn't. It doesn't matter who is in charge or what you think. God is there. God is there. You see, we all have times and areas in our life where we could use a clear sign of God's presence, isn't it? Don't we? Don't we all? And as we sit in that longing, that waiting in our lives, you know, uh, waiting for restoration of our lives, our families. You know, we, we often wonder, God, will it ever be fixed? Will the pain ease? And while we wait, we're looking for answers. We're looking for signposts. For Jackie and his family, it was 16 years. 16 years. They prayed. They prayed for him. Okay? And you know, the world doesn't just stop and wait with us, isn't it? Even when God seems silent, we we still got to get up in the morning. We still need to go to work. We still need to do our work. We need to answer the emails. We need to take out the trash. We need to feed our cats, so on and so forth. You know, life goes on. And we keep wondering. And the book of Esther gets it. When you read the book of Esther you see that he gets it. Because the narrator of Esther isn't just telling us the story of God's silence. He is teaching us how to see God in the midst of that silence. And His silence is not His absence. He is showing us how to seek God and find Him. And each time we see God more and more in Esther's life, it gives us the same courage it gives us the same encouragement to seek out more ways that God has been and is doing in our own lives. Sometimes we don't see it. We need to see what God is doing in Esther's life to see God in the everyday little things in our own lives, in our own homes, in our work, in our family, in our relationship. Amen? And then, we can say, God, I see you. I see you in the neighbour that just show up when I need help. I see it in the doctors who discover the growth before it becomes dangerous. Oh, you can even see, I see it when I reluctantly turn into a busy spot and I find a parking space. I see God. I see God. God is always present if you know where to look. When you think that God is nowhere, I want you to tell, I want to tell you, the book of Esther tells you, God is now and here. The no way God is now and here. Always. Always. Amen. And if you're with me, just give the God a, a big clap offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is always now and here. Move on. Second thing that's hidden is God's grace. You know, one of the striking things about Esther and and Mother Child is that they they are hardly pillars of Christian virtues. Okay? It it may may seem, seem, the the story may seem very romantic. You know, know, an orphan girl grew up to be a queen. You know, and it's very care drama. Okay? But I want to ask you, uh, was Esther a good Jewish girl? Let's, just, let's go through it, okay? Firstly, uh, Esther was compliant and she she, uh, she, ob- she, ob- she was obedient and she found favour with the person. To find favour with the person means you have to live like them, okay? Basically, she sold out to the culture of the day, okay? Now, you may say, okay, la, she did it to survive. But I want you to bring back just 100 years earlier and compare her to Daniel and his three friends. Same setting, same location, different time. And you immediately you can see that there is a difference. Esther sold out to the Persian culture. Esther denied her Jewish identity. She was told not to reveal, so she didn't. Okay, she was compliant. And she slept with a man... Before she was married. And then she married a man outside her faith. Okay. All this really big no-no to Jewish culture. In fact, when I was researching this, I came across a writing of a medieval rabbi. Don't ask me how I came across it. Okay. (laughs) A medieval rabbi that says, actually Esther should have killed herself instead of being violated like this. Okay. So that, that was the sentiment. Okay from the Jewish rabbi, right? So, why, why am I telling you all this? Okay. The Bible is full of flawed people like that. Like you and me. Okay. David was an adulterer. Paul was a murderer. Peter was a coward. Abraham was a liar. Noah was a drunkard. The list goes on and on. Aren't you glad that they are like us or we are like them? You know, fortunately, we are not the main actor. We're not the main protagonist in the Bible. God is. And Esther, the book of Esther shows another hidden aspect of how God works. His grace. See, God has always used flawed people and given grace to people who wasn't asking for it, who didn't think he needed it until he got it, or who deserved it. Why does God use flawed, compromised people like that, like Esther, like us? Because God wants to rid us of any thought that He saves us because there is something good in us. He wants us to know that He didn't save us because there is something good in us. It is all about Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And verse 29, So that no flesh shall glory in His presence. God uses the foolish things for us to know that He did it not because we are any good, but all the glory goes to Him. No one deserves to be saved. God says, I save you because of who I am, not because of who you are. I love you not because you are wise, not because you are virtuous, not because you are strong. I love you because I love you. I love you because I love you. That is why that love, that grace is the most liberating power in the universe. And you see that as the story progresses, Esther grew from this compliant Barbie doll, okay, who just listens to her cousins, into this very courageous woman who put her life on the line. How does that happen? It happened because of grace. Grace was working in her life as he is in all of ours. Only grace brothers and sisters, can grow us through our failures. Remember when I shared with you Peter's failure. Jesus, when Jesus was restoring Peter, He said, when you plunge your failures into my grace, then I can take your brokenness, your mess, your past, and I put them back together. Not only when I put them back together, I put them back in the most beautiful way. I make your scars more beautiful. I make you stronger. And I make you useful again. Remember Kinsuki. That is what God's grace is like. And that is why God's grace is the most transformative power there is. And Esther once again, remind us that real change comes only when we remember that we are all flawed. We are all prodigal sons and daughters. That we, but we get to come to God again and again and again. And He will embrace us again and again and again. And He will make us something more beautiful. And what we really need is His grace and mercy. That is ultimately what will change us. His grace. Amen? Hallelujah. Last but not least, God's hidden beauty. If I ask you for one word that describes Esther, it will usually be beautiful. Isn't it? Esther is known for her beauty, right? She was chosen. It underwent 12 months of beauty treatment Actually, if you read, this is very, it's, it's very uh, interesting. The beauty treatment actually implies scrubbing. Six months of scrubbing. Okay. Uh, exfoliation, is it? Is that the term? Yeah, sorry, uh, I'm not too. Uh, okay. Yeah, wow. <laughs> like you also don't know, right? <laughs> Praise God. Scrubbing. And then perfume. Okay. And then she was favoured by the king because of her beauty. In fact, you can say that in those days, men were judged by their status and women by their beauty. Aren't you glad you're not living in those times? Sarcastic, right? Okay. (laughs) Actually, nothing much has changed. Nothing much has changed. We still focus on how things look. The externals. We will judge. We still judge by how things look. Power, money, status. We judge men by the size of their wallet and women by the size of their dress. We assess who is in, who is out. The colour of your skin is more important than the content of your character. What you have is more important than what you are. What's on the surface matters more than what's on the inside. True? And we also all go through beauty treatment like Esther. Don't believe me? Just ask yourself, what do you think your education is? Your resume? Your training? Your validation to the world? It's all our beauty treatment. We... we, we have to have something to show the world that we are beautiful, you know. And the truth is all of us have to some extent adopted these values of the world. That we have to have something to show to the King King Ahasuerus of the world. But when we look at Esther, through the lens of Jesus Christ, we begin to see another definition of beauty. a a true beauty that God intends to grow in us. And that's our inner beauty. Why? Because God says, I do not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I look at the heart. See, God is more interested in forming the inner beauty that is hidden from the human eyes. The characters that Esther eventually developed. Courage, wisdom, faithfulness, patience, love, kindness. Characters that are important to God. The problem is, God's beautifying process, like the 12 months of treatment, is a luxury spa, isn't it? Because it's often in our trials and our sufferings that we develop this inner beauty. I remember a a CG leader once told me, yeah, I'm developing a lot of character when I lead CG. And all the CGL say? (laughs) It was louder in the service one. Paul wrote in Romans 5, we glory in tribulation because tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character hope. Now, some of you are going through or have gone through very trying times. I'm not belittling any. i am not been flippant. And I'm there with you. I, 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 I hear you. I feel you. It has been anything but a day's spa but I want to tell you from the words of Esther, from the book of Esther, do not give up. Do not give up. You see God in the small things of your life. You see God in the grace in your life. You see Him beautifying you and the nose, as pastor was teaching us, the nose in your life will result in God's greatest yes in your own life. Do not give up. Do not give up. C.S. Lewis said, God often brings pain and suffering to His children. This is where God seems very cruel. But it is also where He should be most praised. Why? Because only through suffering, then He can make us, take our own, our hands off, and we can release our grip of the things that we think can help us, that we think can make us feel secure. And only during suffering that we remember the real beauty that it is God, God who said He will never leave us. And it's through the crucible of suffering that we remember God's real beauty and God will never forsake us or leave us. See, unlike King Aucerus, God didn't pursue us because we were beautiful. He pursued us to make us beautiful. He saw a hidden beauty in us, in every one of us, and He was willing to go all the way to the cross to redeem that beauty for us. We are beautiful in his sight, brothers and sisters. No matter what you think, we are beautiful in his sight. And he has come to make us even more beautiful. We are spotless and without blemish. And you know, one day, Jesus will no longer be hidden from our eyes. And we, like Esther's people, can have hope because the scripture says we. He has made us His bride. And He is coming again. And He will have the greatest wedding banquet. Far, far grander than that king gave Esther. And you know what? Sometimes it's so easy to read Esther and miss the promise that is right in front of us. And what is that promise? The promise is in the name of Esther. Every time you read Esther, you say Esther. That is God's promise to you. Why? It is this like this. The Hebrew name of Esther is Hadassah, which actually means the myrtle flowers. Now, these flowers are still used by the Jews in their synagogues as the Feast of Tabernacles. Myrtle was used by the prophets as as a motif of creation, of the renewal of creation, of God's restoration, of God's faithfulness, His forgiveness and His salvation. In fact, in Isaiah, he asked Isaiah to to write this down. Let's read this together. One, two, three. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign, that shall not be cut off. The name of Esther, Hadassah, myrtle flowers, is an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Esther, the myrtle, is a reminder of God's everlasting plan for us across the ages. When you read Esther, the promise is right there in the name. It hits you now. It should hit you every time between the eye because That's God's promise for you. God has sent His own Son into the wilderness to redeem everyone, all mankind. And He gives us the gift of God's salvation, God's forgiveness. He established on the cross an everlasting covenant with us right there in the name of Esther. Esther, uh, Jesus is our forever murderer. Jesus is our forever Esther. The promise that God gave 2,500 years ago, a, a God that promised that His presence, His grace, His beauty are always with us, will never leave us or forsake us. The promise of a God that is as true for the people of Esther As it is for us today Let's pray Lord Even though at times We wonder And we thought that you are nowhere Help us To see that you're always Now here Let us remember Lord The God who You are the God who is Who is in our lives In our pain in our refining and whose grace is sufficient for us and whose strength will be made perfect in our weakness. Lord, help us to see again and again, to know again and again, to yield in again and again in gratitude to the God who is there in our silence, in the little things and praise you for all that you're doing and all God's people say, Amen, amen, hallelujah. Hey, thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. If you need prayer or you'd like to get to know our community better, visit us at skylightsib.com and let's connect on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube at Skylight SIB. Have a great week ahead.